Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm JB, setting up the machine for the two machines that know a little bit of something about winter meetings, getting deals done. Jim Duquette and Steve Phillips down there in the D.C. area on the waterfront. How you guys doing? Doing great. JB, what's going on? Uh, you know, uh, I'm hanging out on the Internet, as I'm prone to do, and there's a lot of questions uh, from fans. They, are you guys up for answering a few of those? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it man. Let's, let's do go. It. All right, so here's how it goes, folks. If you can't get uh, your webcam fired up by pressing that green button or using your device, uh, hashtag chatting cage, and I will do what I can to read questions. It sounds a little something like this. The human rain delay wants to know, gents, uh, which teams do you think will be most active during the remainder of the winter meetings, and then also overall this offseason. Which of the teams are really going to make some moves this offseason? Uh, you know what? I think we've been talking a little bit about this. But the Nationals haven't – they've been active, but they haven't been able to pull anything off. So I'm, I'm going to take one team in the Nationals. If there's a second team, I think the Dodgers may be beyond here because they haven't filled a lot of their needs. So I'd say, Steve, those are the two that I would say. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I like Chicago White Sox. Now that they've moved Chris Sale, they're getting a lot of phone calls on Jose Quintana. There's some thought about Jose Abreu, Todd Frazier, maybe even David Robertson at the end of the game. So I think the White Sox likely – are fielding a lot of phone calls. They may not get deals done here still, but I think that before the holidays, they're going to probably make a couple other deals. All right. That's uh, outstanding insight from the two uh, gents down there, the GMs uh, who have sat in those chairs and made those deals. There you have it, folks, just like that. Use the MLB Fans app. Join us here in the show. Get your questions directly to those guys so that I can just hang out and listen because that's really what I am most best at. In the meanwhile, uh, hashtag chatting cage. You can fire that up or join us here in the show. If you have the device, I think we got a fan coming right now, and we do. What's your name? What is your question for Jim? My name is Alexander. Uh, my question is: How, as a GM, did you separate business from your personal feelings about a player? Mm. Good one. That's an interesting one. I, I think that that you know, I, look, I think that you always have to try to do what's right for the organization. And as much as you may have a relationship with a certain player, good or bad, because there are some guys that may rub you the wrong way. Uh, but you don't build a winning team with all milk drinkers and choir boys. You just don't, right? It's about the talent. Uh, and I think you have to weigh, you know, the chemistry of your team, being able to make it all work and put it together. But the bottom line is what talent can you find when it comes into it? And a lot of times you have to put your own personal, emotional relationship feelings aside. I don't know how you found it, but I don't, I don't think you can let that get in the way. No, it's hard not to because you do. You're around these guys so much. And, you know, from the front office perspective, you were in the clubhouse a fair amount, so you got to know them, you got to know their families, and you know the families, uh, you know, the, the, the families are around a lot during the course of the game. But I think the good general managers and the guys even now, they've even talked about it. even even like uh, Rick Hahn when he talked about uh, Chris Sale. He drafted Chris Sale, he brought him up, uh, gave him his first opportunity, and then had to trade him. He said, you know, I tried not to think about the, the person. I had to keep my head focused and looking straight ahead and doing the deal and then afterwards you could kind of commiserate or share the stories but it was very very difficult to to kind of keep that separate i think the blue jays are facing that with edwin Encarnacion and jose batista both have been there for a long time they've been very important players batista and Encarnacion, they're like historic players for the right. blue jays franchise but they have to do what's the right thing for the team moving forward and it and unfortunately for edwin it definitely means he's not coming back and with jose there's a shot still with an opening in the outfield, but it may be that he's not the best fit. They're going to have to part ways, and that could hurt personally, but also from the fan base, there right. could be a reaction. 
All right, great question from a fan there, getting some insights into what it's like on a personal level to actually have to make deals that involve, you know, human beings, players, and contracts. That's part of the nuance to the job. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. Another fan is with us. What's your name, young man? What's your question for the two gents? Hi, my name is Mauricio, and the Nats have positioned themselves in the trade market and the free agent market to make big moves this offseason. Other than McCutcheon, Chapman, and Jansen, the obvious targets, which people do you think the Nationals should target in order to improve the team? Well, you know what? Um, you know, they tried, obviously, to trade for Chris Sale. There's not any pitchers on the free agent market that they can uh, trade for. So I think those are the main guys that they're out there focused on. It doesn't sound like as an example that they would go after one of the first basemen. There's a, a, a lot of first basemen still available because they have Ryan Zimmerman. Um, I thought they might go after Stevie and Desmond, you know, just to reunite with him. But uh, they ended up, he ended up moving on to Colorado to play first base. But they have, I think, a center field spot, and they could move Turner to, to shortstop. So I, I think you hit on the right guys, though. I think the closer market, and, you know, they've been talking a little bit about trading for Alex Calame with the Rays instead of paying the high price tag for the closers right now with, with Chapman. Although I think, I don't know, what do you think about Chapman versus Jansen? Is Chapman a better fit there because of Dusty? Yeah, I think he probably would be, but I agree. I don't know that they're going to spend the big money for that because they're in on McCutcheon. If they don't get McCutcheon, I've heard Dexter Fowler potentially right. tied there. They're also in on Jose Quintana right now. They lost out on Chris Sale, but one of the advantages they have is they know who the White Sox like in their organization. We go back to our days when we didn't right. get Kevin Brown, but we were able to get Al Leiter because we knew who Dave Dombrowski at the time with the Marlins liked in the organization. So I think certainly that. I think Greg Holland may end up being a, a low – budget more of a value pick at the closers role coming back from Tommy John because I just don't know that the Nats are going to jump in with the Yankees and the Marlins and the Dodgers for the big two closers at the end of the game. Uh, great question from Mauricio and excellent insight and answers again from our uh, two former GMs sitting there on the couch. We might as well get to the big topic as well. It's the time for the EDJ question of the day. Uh, Steve, why don't you start us off on this one? Um, just overall, what do you think of that Chris Sale trade? Well, I, I look, I think for the Boston Red Sox, for Dave Dombrowski, one, the process I thought was amazing. The patience he showed to let everybody else get out there, say that they're interested, put out there what prospects that they might be willing to consider. Dave Dombrowski just waited and said, okay, well, if the Nationals are willing to do this, then I'll pick this guy and this guy and this guy from among my pool, and I'm not going to overpay, but I can do better than the names that the Nats have out there. It's a huge deal. They get one of the top three pitchers in the game, the front of the rotation. They take last year's Cy Young Award winner and put him in the two spot or the three spot in the rotation. They add length and depth and impact to that rotation. They really put themselves in a position to be the top team in the American League. From the, the White Sox perspective, they got an impact stud prospect in Mankata, a big, huge power armor in Kopech, uh, and a couple other prospects as well. They got good talent return, not necessarily as major league ready as I thought they might, right, right. but still some high-end talent. You know, I had a chance to talk to Rick Hahn uh, earlier today, you know, and he talked about that a little bit. Mankata was their key guy, but they wouldn't have done it without Kopech either. It had to be the two of them, and, and if that's where I think you started to hear some other names with the Nationals, their top three guys. It was pretty expensive from the National side, but I thought Rick Hahn did a, a terrific job. He told me he didn't have... Uh, conversation with Dave Dombrowski for several weeks and he opened it back up on Friday and said hey listen this is coming to a conclusion here's where I am yeah uh, you're gonna have to make your best offer and they sorted it out over the next 48 hours 
He flew in here on Sunday, and he didn't. He thought it was going to get done Monday. He ended up getting done on Tuesday. But I thought Han, in terms of you know when when he decided to make sale available to go out and get those three or four top prospects, two of the top prospects out there, you had to get impact. And sometimes that puts pressure on you as a yeah, GM sure. to make sure. And he wasn't going to do a bad deal, but I thought he handled it really well in terms of you know shopping one team against the other to finally come bring it to a conclusion. Uh, there you have it, folks. That is the EDJ question of the day, the two uh, former GMs talking about that Chris Sale trade, how the process worked out, and how the two values played out like that. This is the Edward Jones Chat and Cage. I'm JB. Get the MLB Fans app fired up and join us right here in the show or hashtag Chat and Cage or join us, just like I said, like this fan. What's your name? What's your question? The two guys. Uh, yeah, I had a quick question. I wanted to know who you think the uh, best fit for the Orioles were uh, in terms of outfielding and pitching this year. You know what? We were just talking before you, before you uh, before we came on about the Orioles. You know they're going down the road of Mark Trumbo. I think that's the the best fit at least right now. I thought Jay Bruce would be a really good fit too from a left-handed bat side of things, but they don't seem to be as interested. But from their perspective, if you're looking at them, if you could do a combination of Trumbo and an outfielder like Angel Pagan, and then. I know, try to go down to Wellington Castillo behind the plate. You'd fill some needs or even a Chris Carter as a, a guy that's out there that could maybe give you a similar production as Trumbo. You know, higher strikeouts, a little bit different uh, hitter, but he could give you the power. I think if you had any combination of those four guys, Steve, I think that's what the Orioles may end up doing. Yeah, I, I think for the Orioles, the one thing I would avoid if I'm them is, you know, the Mets have both Jay Bruce and Curtis Granderson, right? They've had some conversations there, but the Mets want bullpen help in return. When you look at the Orioles ability in the, in the way that they're built to win they need as strong a bullpen as possible and so to do any deal where they weaken their bullpen to improve their offense when they can go out in the free agent market and improve their offense just doesn't make any sense to me so I don't suspect that they're going to make a Curtis Granderson although I think Granderson would be a really nice fit right to be able to play in the quarter to be able to table setter for the team to be able to get on base you know Bruce a different sort of a hitter more of a run producer certainly the power factor there I think the one issue there, too, is, is for Mark Trumbo, he can't overplay his hand. I mean, I know he wants to get $80 million. I don't know that it's going to be there. If it's not there for Edwin Encarnacion, it's not going to be there for Mark Trumbo. Uh, and he better be careful that the Orioles don't go in another direction. Right. And he gets left holding the bag like Edwin has. I think he should come back. He was comfortable there. He thrived there. And there is something to that. When you go to a new team and you perform, don't don't go somewhere else. Capitalize <laughs> on how comfortable you feel because he was so good in Baltimore last year. <laughs> Great answer from a fan who's wearing a Baltimore O's cap as well. So we know he's down there in the Baltimore area rooting for those Orioles. And, and that's the insight from those GMs. I go now to the MLB fans app. I like this one because I know you guys, you guys know everybody. These are all, a lot of these are your friends. You have these people over for dinner. So answer this one. Goldie Snake 44 wants to know, what move has really left you two scratching your heads and why? I have one. You want to take that uh, one? I, I've, got, I've got this one. I, I'm gonna go, I, yeah, I, I definitely have one. Uh, the, the Charlie Morton signing with the, the Houston Astros. Uh, I, I don't have anything against Charlie Morton or the Astros signing him. It's the fact that they gave him a two-year deal at $14 million, $7 million a year. I don't know who they were competing against to have to go to two years, let alone one year, let alone $7 million. He was injured last year, missed most of the season, and he's never been a high-end pitcher. And so I really, to me, I would have thought uh, that he might be a spring training invite with a chance to make the team as opposed to a two-year, $14 million guaranteed deal. 
I know it's a pitching light market, but I was just surprised that he was able to exploit it right. that much. I'll stay on that theme because Texas signed Andrew Kashner to a one-year deal. Similar thing. Kashner, you know, really struggled last year, had injuries. He went down to the Marlins, had an ERA close to six, I want to say, or even close to five. And now he's going back to the American League. Now, I know he, he, he went to, I think he went to TCU. He's right from the area. But the expense for a guy that struggled to, on a one-year basis, I thought, you know, if Texas was going to go down that route, they would have gone some somewhere else. So, for me, that one, you know, along those lines of pitching, I think it speaks to how yeah. inflated the market is even for, you know, mediocre pitching. You have to go to that. And it's they don't even view that as a major risk. It's a minor risk in their viewpoint. And that's, that's a pretty heavy risk or, or a pretty high price tag. The, the idea that you're going to fix a guy, like we, you know, Doug Brokell, they think they can yeah. fix him, and he's been around for seven years. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, if he hasn't been fixed by now, he's probably not right. going to be fixed. <laughs> so I would tend to agree with you. That's a pretty significant investment, even if it is for one year. Oh, there you have it. It's a great question from Goldie Snakes and uh, real good insights. I don't want to say it, but it seems like it might be Texas-themed that those choices were made. Just saying. It was the Astros <laughs> yeah, and Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what we have. It. So this is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm JB. That's uh, Jim Duquette and Steve Phillips down there at the waterfront taking questions from winter meetings. As we wrap things up, remember, folks, to get in line and join us like this fan right here. What is your name and what is your question for those two former GMs? Hi, my name is Josh, and I'd like to ask... Uh, due to the fact that the Red Sox have seven pitchers, uh, who do you think is more likely to be moved to restock the farm system after Moncada and Kopech are gone? Well, that's a good question. You know, it, they can go in a lot of different directions. I think because you have to go through the season with a lot of uh, and have to plan for injuries, that they're going to try to keep as many as they as they can, or, or if not all of them, and even if it's the the back end and of the of the rotation and keep a, a Rodriguez and send them. I think he has another option left, even if you have to send him to the minor leagues, which, again, you, you don't want to do. But if you have to do it to maintain your depth, I don't know if they would make a move at this point. And, you know, I think they're dealing, obviously, from a position of strength. So if I'm Dave Dombrowski, I'm holding on to that depth, at least for the for the foreseeable future, at least the first half. What, what do you think? Well, I think the one guy where they might take some phone calls is Drew Pomerantz. They picked him up last year right. from the San Diego Padres. If they can in some way trade him in a pitching, starting pitching light market and bring back a couple of relievers where they're trading pitching for pitching, but they're maybe reconfiguring that talent on their roster in a way. Because they, I think, in addition to Tyler Thornburg, who they picked up, which is a great acquisition by Dave Dombrowski yesterday as well from the Brewers, if they could add another arm or some balance or a left-hander into the bullpen, Pomerantz might be the chip to be able to do that. I know there's been some thought the Seattle Mariners have interest in, in uh, Pomerantz, so maybe there might be a deal there because the, the Mariners do have some strength and some power arms out in the pen. Right. All right, well, that is uh, incredible, incredible insight. We thank you guys so much. Did you have, did you have fun answering those questions, taking fans on head-to-head? -head? Oh, oh yeah. Like, this is great, right? I mean, to be able to <laughs> If you're not having fun down here. Come on. JB, the only thing we're missing to have the most fun is if you were here next to us. That's uh, you it. Know, that was, it's in, I'm, oh, in my heart, I am there with you guys. Always. Uh, always. Oh, yeah. Every okay. year. Right. Every time. Uh, Jim, Steve, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure talking to you guys. Great minds. Really, really, really just wonderful to get insights from you two. Appreciate your time. And fans, as always, I want to thank you for being the uh, gas that makes this engine go. We'll see you in 2017 for the next season of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage.